Okay, the nice pack's come up. Pat's coming up, just a reminder that there's some offering boxes, one gold one at the back there, one at the front here. Pat, come on, pray for you. So Father, we thank you for this godly woman. Um, you've put something in her heart. You've put something in her heart that we need, all, all of us need to hear. And um, I just pray that uh, we'll open our hearts and uh, open our spiritual ears. Amen. On the speaker's circuit, this is called the death slot. <laughs> Everybody has had plenty of food and they're just ready to. <laughs> so if you're going to snort, just do it quietly. <laughs> I wanted to start off with a report on my start to December. I got December off to a really good start this year, by which I mean I remembered where I put Melvin's lint chocolate advent calendar and I was able to retrieve it for December the 1st. Last year it was the 4th, but he didn't actually mind the catch-up. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it odd the way God pieces it together, but of course it isn't odd, it's what God does. Um, today is the second Sunday of Advent, and the themes of Advent traditionally are hope, peace, love, and joy. And one of the meanings of Advent is the coming, the arrival of Jesus. So this is the season when we get ready for Jesus's birth. And I don't know, I've always thought of Luke as the Christmas gospel. And the theologian N.T. Wright points to why this may be the case. He says that at the time Jesus was born, quote, the Bible of the day told a great sprawling story of God and the world. God and Israel, God and the hoped-for future. Luke explains that this story reached the appointed goal with Jesus himself. <coughs> and Luke insists that if we want to understand Jesus better, we have to go back to the law, the prophets and the writings, to the whole ancient scripture of God's People, Luke's gospel is particularly good at doing this because Luke explains that what happened to Jesus and even more importantly through Jesus was the actual fulfilment of Israel's scriptures. So to start at the beginning, Luke 1 verses 26 to 38, which my noble assistant will also put up, oh he's smiling, so it's okay, he'll put it up on the screen. So here we go. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, 
the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month, for nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left. Mary's response to the words that the angel said, God was with her and she was highly favoured, is that she was troubled by them. She just didn't understand what it was all about. And the question she asked seems altogether reasonable in the circumstances. How can this be? I'm a virgin. I actually can't imagine how Mary must have felt. Frightened, lonely, panic-stricken, stunned. This was a situation that was unexpected, unwanted, and very definitely uncertain. But God has a plan. The implications for Mary actually in this, what I think we could rightly say was an unprecedented situation, was here she is, betrothed, but not married now pregnant and potentially she's in for at the very least disowning by her fiance public disgrace and shame for her and her family and a jewish law that demanded that pregnancy before marriage wanted death by stoning carried out by the men in the village but the angel answering Mary's question, how can this be, tells her not to be afraid because she is chosen by God, will be filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and her son will be called the Son of God. But you know, God's plan's complete. Not only did Mary receive empowering from the Holy Spirit, but she was given someone to share this unexpected and 
probably at this time confusing journey with. She was told about her relative, Elizabeth, although her long past childbearing years was actually six months pregnant with her son, who would be known as John the Baptist. I love those bold words in verse 37. Nothing is impossible with God. And you know, she was given three months in the company of Elizabeth. These two women, one much older, lots of experience, and a heart that had suffered such huge disappointment. And if you read verses 40 to 45, you just get a flavour of what those three months must have been like. Prayer, worship, support, and what women do best, talking therapy. <laughs> Did you laugh, Rob? <laughs> but you know, uh, when, when you look at Mary's journey, I mean, we don't really have a time scale in a sense for all of this, but I'm struck by her response to all of this, maybe once she got over the absolute of it all, was a sort of incredulity. How can this be? And then she went to recognition. I'm the Lord's servant. And then, willingness. May it be as you have said. It's a bit scary, really, isn't it? Because God does have a plan, and we are part of it. And I'm aware of my willfulness and my disobedience. But this moved on. It didn't just stop at willingness. Because over time, in the words of the Magnificat, it actually becomes uncontainable joy, wholehearted. I don't know whether we've got, have I got time to read the one? Yeah, is that okay? Um, Stephen will we'll put this up too. I, I'm reading from the RSB uh, and it's verse 46. <coughs> Mary said, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be sorry, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's lifted up the humble, filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich empty away. He's helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. 
Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. I am struck that actually in three months there was probably a different news story. I think as we, you know, if we were to take more time looking at the Magnificat, what we notice beyond Mary's praise is this recognition that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom, that in no way does it conform to the world's expectations. Jesus didn't fill the Jewish expectation of the Messiah, which is why he was dismissed by the Jewish people and betrayed by Judas. They were looking for a conquering king. Jesus didn't fit the profile. He was a sacrificial lamb. He was the saviour of the world. Mary was there on Jesus' journey from the beginning to the end. Birth, motherhood, accidentally leaving him behind in the temple. We've all been there, haven't we? Blame the child. Why didn't you hope I <laughs> She watched him grow in God's wisdom. She saw his miracles and the controversy that he was often at the centre of. She wept at the foot of the cross as she watched the untimely and human speak death of her son. And she rejoiced at the sight of the tomb that was empty. God has a plan for salvation for all who believe. A plan for every life. And as with Mary, when the circumstances are challenging, unexpected, overwhelming, God helps us to fulfill that calling. Doesn't mean that life's easy all the time. It's usually battles and blessings, and often uncertainty. But here, we're back to the Advent scenes. We have the love of a Saviour who gave his life for our forgiveness. We have the peace that comes from trusting a God who can be trusted and who always has a plan. We have joy which comes from the Holy Spirit and has nothing to do with our circumstances. And, do we get the thread? We have hope. The Latin, Adventus, refers to the birth of Jesus. <laughs> but the Greek, Parousia, refers to the second coming, when all will be revealed. Now we see through a glass darkly, very darkly in my case. But all will be revealed. And we will spend eternity in God's presence. In the name of Jesus. Amen.